You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing a love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive in today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to give Bryson and I a follow on Twitter at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore round. Bryson, how you doing this evening? I'm great, man. I'm excited to talk about some offensive linemen and kind of Kevin's opinion on the quarterback trade and just get into things. Like you mentioned, we got a returning guest. It's been about almost two months since Mr. Kevin Avery has joined the show. He's finally returning the owner and co-founder of the four man rush. Kevin, good to see you again. Good to hear your voice. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, great to hear you guys voice as well. You know, it's good to always, you know, with these perilous times in this pandemic, it's always good to make a return that wasn't promised, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you. And tonight, just for folks, we're focusing on Sam Darnold, the NFL draft, specifically the hog mollies, as Dave Gettleman likes to call them, offense alignment, the cornerstones of a team. Kevin, let's start with Darnold. He just wrapped up his press conference yesterday. It's been eight days since the trade. I thought it was April Fool's came a little bit late this year when I saw it come down, to be honest with you. Panthers pulled the trigger, make the trade for Darnold. We got to get your take on this. Well, my thoughts on Sam Donner coming to Carolina, I like to be blunt and honest. Uh, I didn't care for the trade, to be honest with you guys. And it's nothing to do with Sam Donald personally. If you selling me on a rebuild and we're going to build through the draft, I don't like giving away my draft picks. I really don't, especially at the quarterback position, if we're not 100% sold on that this is the guy that's going to – be the franchise guy. Now, if the team was already built up and that was all that was missing, then I would have been more open for it. But to bring on someone that has had at best a questionable start to his NFL career, I it just didn't sit well with me. Now, I will say, because of who I am, anybody that rocks the Carolina Panther. Uh, uniform when the when the game comes on, I'm going to support them. I'm going to be cheering them on. I'm going to be wishing them well. I'm hoping they kick ass and everything come to it because that's just me. That's just a fan of me. But as of right now, uh, I have no expectations, but I'm gonna be supportive because he's now on the team. So that's just how that's my initial reaction to the uh, whole Sam Donald thing. I just. Any, any quarterback we would have attained that required us giving up draft picks was going to make me feel some kind of way because I feel like this team has too many holes. We had a reduced salary cap this year. Um, I mean, even though we've done a great job in free agency, um, in my opinion, you know, filling a, in many holes with, you know, good to decent talent, a few suspect players, but, you know, you got to take nine of players to camp. So not every player signed is going to be a big impact player. And I get that. But, um, just overall, I, I just wasn't a fan of it because uh, we gave up draft picks. And and I hate to be that guy, but I believe back in February I was defending my uh, my Sam Darnold take, and um, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, I'll take my humble pie and, you know, wash it down with this water here. Um, you know, it's. Hey, again, uh, I can see the. I mean, I can get, you know, because of the quarterback traits and talents that he possessed. I can see potentially why they did it. You know, me and the fellas in the four man rush was talking about it, it's like, okay, didn't get Watson, didn't get Stafford. It appears that the top four quarterbacks are going to be gone. And do you really want to spend your eighth pick on what's could be the fifth best quarterback out of this class? Because, you know, apparently this, this deal started happening at the very end of the Ohio State Pro Day when they had just finished watching Justin Field. You know, that's when that's when it was admitted by a fitter that him and the Jets GM started immediately began negotiating this deal to take place. So Apparently, you know, after they had seen all the quarterbacks pro days and, you know, I guess they had more inside information of what teams look like they possibly may do. And then, you know, with the big trades that happened with the 49ers going from 12 to three and Miami trading back to 12 and then jump back up to six and Philly jumping from six, trading back from six to 12. It just seems like the beginning of teams position themselves to try to grab a quarterback. So I guess they felt like that based on, you know, those rumblings, anything, that's what uh, that's what took place. And I feel like that's why they went with their plan D, which was Donald. It's kind of disappointing when you had Stafford and Watson. And I mean, I, I wasn't even a big fan of Stafford, to be honest. But uh, looking at it now, I would have rather taken him over Sam Darnold. But that's another discussion for another day. <laughs> Kevin, what what do you see from Darnold? What tan- tangibles are you excited about from him? you know, versus Teddy Bridgewater, which, what makes you most excited and what, what makes you not so excited about him? Okay. Well, as far as what makes me excited, and again, uh, I, I will re- reiterate my fact that I was all for the team bringing back Teddy and, you know, building up the team and then going finding that quarterback next year. I think I had stated that on my previous appearance that, you know, Hey, let's just build a team up while we got a bridge quarterback and then, you know, make the move. You know, I was all in for trying to push for, you know, Sam Howell <laughs> next year. And I don't let my Tar Heel bias make you think that's that's the only reason why. But you know, I did play a little bit of reason. I wouldn't mind having it. But uh, back to this whole thing with Sam Donald, as far as the positives, uh, he, you know, 31 teams back in the 2018 draft, 31 out of 32 teams had Sam Donald on their board as the number one rated quarterback in that draft. You know. Now, even if he wasn't a team in a position to draft a quarterback, but if you based it off talent, what you saw, what you evaluated, he was the only one. And the only team that didn't have his number one was the team that picked number one, which was the Cleveland Brown. They went with Baker Mayfield that year. So you're taking someone that ended up being drafted third, was viewed number one overall. Obviously, top executives and scouts throughout the for 31 teams pretty much viewed him as a huge talent. And I just think that when it comes to compare with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I think his physical talents and abilities supersede Teddy's uh, the ability to throw a, a deeper ball. I haven't studied his release yet to see, you know, his throwing uh, mechanisms. Like I say, I'm still kind of in my feelings that this trade happened. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I didn't get into that, a deep dive into it, you know, cause I'm more of a trench guy. So I'm still kind of learning to, the little nuances of what to look for for quarterback, you know, um, you know, like footwork, throwing motion, things like that. But from 
the film sessions that we have shared in the four man rush, even though the record doesn't show it, and even though a lot of statistics doesn't show it, I can see that if Matt Rule and his coaching staff are able to get the kinks worked out, this could be looked at as the, the trade that turned this franchise's fortunes around. You know, you essentially are getting uh, who used to be, a, like I said, a number one overall view quarterback for two day three picks in a second, which is a freaking steal compared to what Sean Watson was going to acquire with two or three first rounders, multiple players and things like that. So the potential is there, but I don't want to get too bought in on potential because we've seen how potential works out. Yeah. That that's what worries me about him. You know, as Ryson's high on high on the potential, I might get into an argument here shortly, but it only takes you so far that potential don't win you football games. So that's, I, I'm not as excited about the move. I'm hopeful. I mean, I hope, I hope it works out being a Panthers fan, but his tendencies as a quarterback, I get it. You know, he didn't have a lot around him in, in New York and Adam Gase was a hot mess with him, but he, he didn't make good decisions when he did have time in the pocket. And I'm worried that's going to carry over because when you keep doing that over and over again, you just get into a rhythm of doing that. And that's the one thing that concerns me about him is, is those bad tendencies are those, are those going to carry over? Cause he's done it now for three years. It was, and consistently made some bad decisions when he has had time, go look at that Patriots game in 2019 there were some throws that you just you turn the other way and said, "Why the hell did you throw that ball?" And that's his worst you know, game it, of his career. You, you can't just it, throw that one out there. It it was. I, I I'm just saying though. There there's there's plays in that game where you're. It's it's not even that he was getting pressure. It's like I mean that guy ain't even open. You're just throwing up a ball and hope, praying that someone uh, with the Jets comes down with it. So that's just one thing to look at it. And you know people make the argument he was in a bad system. And in 2019, there was a few games there that Joe Flacco outperformed him. And Joe Flacco had, was in the same, had the same guys. I mean, he was put in at quarterback and he, he was playing better than Sam Darnold was. And that, I mean, Joe Flacco's what, 36 years old, 30, 35, 36, something like that. That's, that doesn't give me a lot of excitement when you see something like that. So that's, you know, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm, my emotions are settled down since last week when me and Bryson were going at it. But so I've had some time to reflect more on it and, you know, we'll see what happens, but I'm very hesitant and, you know, hopefully it pans out the second round pick. I'm not a fan of either Kevin. I think that was too much. Yeah, I agree. I, I get the six pick this year. That was a night. That was nice for them. That gives them you know, we have a, the Panthers have a pick in every round this year. So that's good, but we'll push it back to next year. Pray better pray that it works out. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, uh, he's never played in his NFL career. He's never played in more than 13 games in a season. He's had double digit interceptions every season. So I'm not a blind fan saying this is the best trade that Carolina could have ever made and that they got their franchise quarterback and they're set, but I just have hope and I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm excited that we're not rolling into the next season with Teddy Bridgewater. I know Kevin was kind of okay with that, but I, I wasn't. And I'm, I'm just excited to see a different quarterback back there and just give him the benefit of the doubt with Carolina. He's got 
the best team he's ever had around him. And if he doesn't succeed here, I don't think he will anywhere. So. Well, my re rebuttal to that would be, okay, if you take Sam Donald and trade him places with Teddy last year, are the results going to be any better? If you had the same type of offensive line blocking without Christian McCaffrey, you know, if you factor all that in, how much of a better quarterback are you getting? You know, I, I just think that we just basically outside of a few potential, you know, say about his arm, you know, we just basically took Teddy and just made him real light skin and, and swapped him. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I've been yeah. saying that the last two episodes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, because, uh, I mean, real talk. And, and, and I get, and I, like I say, I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer on him, but, you know, this whole thing, like you said about Sam Donald, I know people saying, oh, the Jets, you know, the bad that ran franchise, which it was. We know the Jets have been toxic. I think their owner, Woody Johnson, needs to sell the team in order for them to get better. I, I really do. Just like the Raiders got better when Al Davis, God rest his soul. I hope, hopefully that's where he went. But, you know, yeah, you know, and then, you know, the, the Raiders started drafting better and started having better production. They're now actually, you know, a team that's, you know, you know, in position, of, you know, challenge out out in out of their division you know but um you know when you look back at his usc days i mean you know the um you know the turnovers were still there you know um so it's not like he was playing well went to the jets and then started sucking and you know this is when he had a you know a squad out there you know this is when he had juju smith schuster a very solid offensive line decent running game so you know, even even then, you know, you'll see good Sam, bad Sam. You know, so and let's and let's hope we see more of good Sam this year. Right. Yeah. And I and I'm expecting a learning curve as well because I think that's why they want to extend his fifth year option to give him basically like two years because I really see this now, even though Matt Rule got a seven year deal, this potentially, if it works out, great. But if this thing blows up. This deal potentially could possibly put room maybe on somewhat of a hot seat with Tepper. If yeah, and what that's what that's what I don't get is you're you're putting a lot of chips on a guy with Matt Rule that I mean, this is his second time at quarterback. You know, that he he was a Bridgewater guy, whether and people want to admit or not. That was that was partially his decision along with Herney and that awful ass contract he got for Bridgewater, but this is set. This is the second quarterback for Matt Rule, and you're putting your chips on Sam Darnold, who's he's had a shitty route in the NFL, and we need to get over that. We get that he has had a shitty time in New York. We understand that. Let's put down and look look at the tape when he doesn't have pressure. He's got an open pocket. What kind of decisions is this guy making? And that's how you got to evaluate him. And you know, to put your chips, and I get it. You know. Next year, if he doesn't pan out, they can draft quarterback number one. But Matt Rule's contract ain't lasting forever if this is if this is how they're going to do that. And I'm not saying this is a bad decision. It might pan out, and they're you know Fitter and Matt Rule might look like geniuses who got a really good quarterback who just was stuck in a shitty situation. But to put your risk on Sam Darnold, I if I was in their position, I'd rather put it on a risk at a quarterback, and you know hope Fields or Lance falls to them, but. I guess I guess they think otherwise, or those guys aren't going to be there at eight. Yeah, and, I don't know. And, and to be fair, I don't think this was one hundred percent Matt Rule's decision. I think that um, David Tepper had a lot to do with it. I don't think David Tepper wanted to roll into next season with Teddy Bridgewater, and 
Um, I don't know, honestly. It's just speculation, but I mean, it's it's been known around the league that David Tepper has been aggressive and wanted, yeah, wanted but a new quarterback. Can, can and you, can you say though it's not Matt Rule because Matt Rule in his uh, end of the year presser, I mean, he basically said Teddy better, you know, Teddy better have the best offseason of his career because he, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think Rule's pretty blunt about it that. Teddy had a shitty year and he better step it up or this guy ain't a starter. And I think, I think you're right that Tepper aided it, but I definitely think this was, you know, Matt rule. He, he interviewed for the jets job. He's talked to Sam Darnold. He wanted to go there. I mean, there was some, there was some speculation that he wanted that New York job. So I think it's, I think you could say to that, Matt, I think Matt rule had a lot to play into this. Yeah. 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 And I'm not saying Matt rule didn't have a, anything to do with it, but I'm saying, I think David Tepper had a, a lot to do with it as well. And it wasn't solely just Matt Rule making a move at quarterback and throwing all his chips, just him on on Sam Darnold. I think there was a lot to play into it. And um, I think Matt Rule is a good coach. And I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful for Sam Darnold to be coached well for the first time in his NFL career. <laughs> and uh, Joe Brady, I mean – our guest last week, Edgar, was made a good point that Joe Brady has as much to prove this season as Sam Darnold does because Joe Brady wasn't that hot last year, last year either. So um, he has a lot to show. Sam Darnold has a lot to show. And, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for next season. I hope it goes well, but we'll see. Yeah, and just one thing i like to add. I think the best thing about this trade, and we I think we all can agree on this, is the Panthers are now in a position to take best player available. And that's what they wanted. Fitter has been preaching that since he came here is they want to fill the needs so that they can go in the draft and take the best player available at eight and not have to reach for a guy, whether that's quarterback or tackle or corner or D tackle or whatever, whatever the position is. So that I think that's like the shining light for me is that's kind of what this has given them. Um, You know, it, they did have to give up a second round pick, but now they can, you know, if a guy does slip, that's a really good quarterback or, you know, a pit slips or whoever slips to them, they can take this guy and not have to worry about, Oh, now, well, we didn't fill this need. So we got to worry about that. So that's the, I think the shining light through this all too, is you got to look at that as well as now they can take best player available. Yeah. I have a question for Kevin. I know we've, we've asked other guests, but, um, I just want to get Kevin's opinion on it, see what he thinks. So, uh, Kevin, um, if they are sitting there at eight, if Carolina's sitting there at eight, and Justin Fields slips or Trey Lance slips to eight, do you think they take a quarterback at eight still, or do you think they're trading back? Um, it, for me, it would depend on who's available, uh, who else is available besides them. You know, uh, like I said, with the league being quarterback horny right now and everybody's wanting – to grab them and sit in a collar because it seems like the plan is to get your rookie quarterback that you can put on a five-year deal and, you know, build build your team up. And while, you know, before you have to pay your quarterback, that seems to be, um, uh, that seems to be what the plan is to be. Basically the plan that the Kansas City Chiefs used, you know, they built up their team, what well, I think was before they got their quarterback with Mahomes. So that seems to be what the league is trending to because the Jets manager, pretty much said that's what they they hit the restart because they knew they would have to pay Sam Donald after this year and you know they can get us a, a guy with similar if not slightly better talents on a five-year you know with all those draft picks they got coming up over the next two years which they got a shit ton of picks I mean 
my God, if the Jets can't get this right, <laughs> you know, I mean, geez, I mean, what, what, what else, what else, how much more do you want? Yeah, but, yeah you uh, ain't kidding on that one. Yeah, they need to drop out and there'll only be 31 teams if they can't get this right. That's why I was but, like, damn, did we really just add them another second? Like, jeez, Luis. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I don't know if y'all, you know, be following me on, t- on Twitter, but y'all should know, you know, I'm pounding the table for Panay Sewell. Yeah, you know, and let, let, let's get into that, Kevin. Yes, this is why we brought you in here because you're you're the big lineman guy. So let's go through some of your top, you know, let's go through the top five linemen offensive tackle-wise for you and just go through and just kind of dissect what you're seeing, what you hope for, what's your best-case scenario for Carolina, who you think fits them best, and we'll just start yeah, from there. Yeah, before I do that, I'd just like to do a quick plug. Uh, we've been doing uh, our, NF- our four-man rush draft profiles. Uh, we've been breaking them down and posting them on our website. So if you get a chance, go to four- the four-man rush. I'm looking at them right yes. now. Um, <laughs> me and um, uh, Larry, we're, we're the lineman guys, so we've uh, we've been breaking them down. So definitely go there and see our full our the foreman rush version. You know, we got a grading scale, pros, cons, NFL fits. You know, we're doing our own version, so check it out and you know get all the details um, there. Uh, but yeah, so as far as the lineman, are we talking about tackles, interior? Which which one you want to start with first? Let's go with tackles first. Tackles first, okay. Uh well, for me, my top five is easy because I've I've watched a ton of film on them over this off season. Number one, who I just mentioned, you know, Benai Sewell out of Oregon, left tackle franchise tackled. Some have said potentially could be generational with the right coaching to push him up that next level. Uh, you know, if you just watch him on film, I mean, the dude plays. With athleticism, aggressiveness, and with great technique. Uh, I mean, you really have to nitpick to find a flaw, you know, with him. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a zone blocking scheme, a power gap scheme, uh, screen game, uh, getting to the second and third levels. Like, you know, he's he's pretty much whooping ass and taking names. He, he um, is nasty. And one of the quotes that I, I found online for from Doug Farrar about Sewell is that he plays offensive tackle with a defensive tackles mentality. He is nasty. And I, he, he is absolutely my favorite tackle. And, um, and some, some people say he likes size and arm strength, but he, he just plays so nasty that it, that really doesn't even matter. Honestly. Yeah. His punch, his punch, he's a bully with his punch. He is yes. a bully. He is. And his heart, you watch his hug technique, and that's what he's he's famous for is what he likes. And he might do that a little too much. I, I would say maybe that could be a knock on him a little bit. But his hug technique, you know, on the outside there is he, he is going to be special. And if he falls oh, to Carolina, we finally Ooh. have Jordan Gross again. Finally, in, in, yeah, 2019, Jordan Gross again. in 2019, he had 491 pass, pass blocking snaps. He allowed no sacks and seven total pressures. Just, just tell you a little bit about him. Yeah, well, you, you definitely read my cue card because I definitely, I, I got his stats damn near memorized. So, you know, because I was, uh, because for the first few months I didn't think it was a chance, but like I said, with with everybody going quarterback crazy and even receiver crazy, go ahead and push his, push him, push him down the pipe, please. I, please Jesus, yeah, please, let's, Jesus. Let's talk about let's talk about his position a little bit because I see a lot of mock drafts that have him at Cincinnati, but didn't they just take a tackle last year? 
and then they just they just got a guy. Right. Yeah, uh, they took off uh, from Alabama, Jonah Williams. Uh, they took him at left tackle. Yeah. Uh, very, very good uh, left tackle. Got hurt a little bit. Uh, and then, like I said, they had just resigned uh, free agent. I can't think of his name. Right. Reef. Right. Yeah. Riley Reef. So and um, so and then I heard Mel Kiper with his goofy self talking about well slide slide him in that guard for a year and then put him back out at left tackle. Oh my god. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. Mel Kiper myself. needs to go somewhere for real. Man, like, how how do you keep a job? Like Jesus. But yeah, because Panay hasn't played guard since he was in high school. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he can't do it because, like I say, he is extremely smart. I mean, unless they think one of those other guys slide back into guard, you know, they maybe Williams or Reef, they slide one of those guys into guard. That I mean, that could be – that be- could be what they're Yeah, thinking, Bengals aren't maybe. going tackle. I, I think that's – But you also got to look at – I mean, you look, Joe Burrow out for the season last year with, you know, limited protection, so maybe they do try to beef up. It's just – it's where do you plug and play some of these guys on the team? I don't know them enough to, you know – say one way or the other i just think it's interesting because you see a lot of the mock drafts have sewell going there so it's like i was just curious what your guys's take was on yeah that. i mean i see the mocks going there um you know depending on what how much value you put in the rumors i'm hearing you know that joe burr is pounding the table to get back up with you know jamar chase you know we had at lsu uh you know I, hey you know they they definitely had a Electric connection. I mean, I know they got a couple of decent wide receivers, but you know, nobody that's going to really, you know, scare you on game day. Uh, so I mean, you know, it could. It, that's for me. The draft starts at number four with the Falcons. Cause I, my gut say the Falcons are going to trade back, get some extra picks, and they're going to have a defensive heavy draft, which is what I think they need. Cause they really don't have any, too many gaps on offense. I mean, unless they want to be super stupid greedy and get take Cal Pitts at number four and just have this all franchise team, I mean, all fantasy football team offense. I mean, damn, Pitts, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. I mean, good God, uh, Jesus. That, I, that Facing that twice a year makes me get dizzy already. <laughs> the Lions, I mean, let's look at the Lions, that no one talks about them. Could they go Penne at seven in front of I, – I know a lot, a lot of the mocks have them going wide receiver, but – I'm just looking at their needs online. I don't know this team at all, but I mean, one of their needs is offensive tackle. If he slips, you know, do they? Well, pull the they trigger? just resigned their uh, left tackle to a deal this off season. So, I'm glad I know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they no. need a wide receiver bad as as out as anything because they lost Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. So I don't see them going anything except wide receiver in the first round. Right. So um, I've seen a few mocks have Panay going to. Uh, Miami at six. Uh, but again, damn, they just drafted their left tackle last year. You know, they drafted three offensive linemen um, themselves. They drafted two tackles and a guard, which all played fairly well for them. So for me, I I don't want to get too optimistic because I want him so bad. But when I think about it, okay, Jackson, Jaguars quarterback, Jets quarterback, 49ers quarterback, Falcons, it's – you don't want to draft that high and sit a player two, three years for Matt Ryan because financially the Falcons are stuck with Matt Ryan three years before they could potentially even release him to start a quarterback. I think they shot. I think they're the first shocker and they go Kyle Pitts if they don't trade out. Right. 
I, I think that's what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, from the Falcon fans, want, they want to go defense. They actually want to trade back and draft Makai Parsons out of Penn State and pairing with Deion Jones, which would make that a very nasty linebacking core. I mean, good God. I, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that's from Falcon fans that I've talked to. They look uh, they they want a defensive player with their first-round pick, um, you know, for what Seth's worth. Uh, but then again, you know, Cincinnati, that's, that's what I'm going to be nervous at it. If they don't take him, I'm, I'm going to feel very optimistic after that. Uh, because, again – Kevin's walking around with a boner that night when they, when since he doesn't draft. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if y'all seeing the clips, that's my boner. I'm just going to let you know. You know, like, damn, did it get dark all of a sudden? Yeah, no. But um, – and then, you know, number six with Miami. Hell, why not, why not put Waddle back in Miami and let him hook back up with Tua? You know, from the days of Alabama. I mean, there's some, there's some old, there's some old connections here that I'm hoping that that you know that they'll do because I mean, when you think about it, who are Miami's top receivers that you think off the top of your head right now? There's nobody that really comes jumps out to mind unless you're just a football nut. They they did sign Will Fuller, so I I don't know about that. They, they got a little bit Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, so I I don't know. They they are kind of questionable there for me. Right. And I also seen mocks with, with them taking pits at the Falcons don't. So, you know, but Detroit, I, that's when my heart gonna start palpitating. Um, I've seen a few mocks with him going not too not too many, but I, I for me, based on the, the tackle situation for the four teams in front, the three the four teams in front of us, I would be shocked if they drafted another left tackle since all of them have pretty much spent either a big contract or a high first round draft pick on a tackle within the last year. So let so let's say let's say you know Penny Sewell gets drafted by Cincy. Let's play that let's play that card. Who who's the second tackle you got that? Second one, uh Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Mr. Versatility, Mr. I can play all five positions. Well, but he made it. He's made it known. Oh, I can be. A, I, I will. I can play NFL left tackle. And believe it or not, I don't know if y'all saw it on Twitter. Chase Young, who played at Ohio State against him, went out and endorsed that any team that gets Slater don't hesitate about putting him at left tackle. Yeah, he had good tape against Young. He had good tape against Young. He held yeah, his own, man. Yeah, in 2019, no sacks, no quarterbacks, no quarterback hits, and uh, only three quarterback hurries in 142 sets. So, the one thing though, and we got to talk about this because this is always a conversation. This pisses off linemen when when people have this conversation. But arm length, and a lot of stock sometimes goes into that. But he's got a 33 inch length of an arm, you know, and the average or where the NFL teams like them is 34, 34 and a half. Now that doesn't mean, I mean, there's outliers. Joe Thomas had a shorter arm length. Uh, Braden Smith is the most recent from the Colts. Um, so, Jordan Gross. Jordan Gross. What, what, what's your take on the arm length, Kevin? I'm just curious. I think that that's just one of those metrics or one of those measurements that, I understand why, but what do you see on tape? If if them short arms are not allowing any sacks and only seven pressures a year, because you got some saying that uh, Sewell doesn't have ideal length. They're saying he's got just enough, but not, quote, ideal, typical left tackle length. Yeah, he's 33 and a, 33 and a quarter, so he ain't much more than 
Slater, but yeah. So I mean, I that's that's one of those nitpick things. That would be like those folks that were knocking Derrick Brown last year because it was three cone time. Oh, he's not gonna be able to, to be agile enough to pressure the quarterback, but yet he had just as many quarterback pressures as defense player of the year Chase Young from the D tackle spot. <laughs> so I mean, really, I I I get I get why they do this, you know, for the for the analytics and the nerds, you know, who never played to have something to talk about. But again, when you put on the tape, who's out there watching? Like he's doing good, but his long's not not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> good point good point <laughs> one thing too is he had four holding penalties last year he, uh, or not in 2019 11 games he had four holding calls i think that was his most i think he had one the year prior so that and that could be a concern if you're gonna knock him at all is him him getting getting a hold of that jersey i don't want to see that i'll tell you that i i, I was tired of seeing that this last year some Curtis Samuel uh, hits off a run and then all of a sudden it gets called back. You know, that's always just a drive killer and I'm tired of seeing that. Yeah, I, yeah I but thought... if you take that, I'm sorry, but if you th- if you break down over what now 17 games, that's what one holding penalty over four games. I, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not too bad. That's not too bad when you look at that, it. Like that's, that. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Five, it'd be five and 17. Yeah, that's, I guess that's pretty good. I, I'm just looking at some, I mean, if we're getting nitpicky between Sewell, Slater, and some of these right, other guys, that's right. just one thing to point out. Yeah, and, and another thing about um, Slater, some people say that he's not like a premier mover, so he can't really um, – he's not as athletic as like a Sewell or anything like that. But, I mean, I, I that's not what I see with Slater, but that's just what some people see. Um, yeah, me yeah. and Bryson were talking about that. With, with There's conversation that he better he's a better fit at guard. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I definitely think he is because the draft profile that uh, that you see on the Four Man Rush website about him, I personally did. Matter of fact, that was the first one that I started off with. Uh, was um, wasn't because personally I hadn't heard a lot about him prior to this year, but uh, when his name started getting mentioned, I'm like, okay, let me do a deep dive, and I broke down like like um, I broke down like three games uh, that he played in each year. You know, his freshman year. Uh, when he got the start, when he was at right tackle, and then uh, when he got moved over to guard the following year, then when he got moved over to tackle. So just seeing it, I see a lot of consistencies. Uh, you know, position position versatility should not be not as, okay, he's only good at a little bit of everything, but he's not great at it. He was great where he needed to be, where wherever the team put him at. I mean, his footwork is nearly flawless. Uh, this guy has the ability to make angles for a man his size that would be like, whoa. You know, like he literally, like if there was one area that he may have an edge with over Sewell is how quickly he gets to the second level on them linebackers and safeties. Like like his 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 angles, his footwork is is nearly flawless for offense lines. Like when they're when you do pulls on on the screen game. Like out in space, like, like this guy is really something, something fun to watch if you're in the, you know, watching that aspect of the game. Yeah, that was one thing I wrote down was quick to the second level, and you know sometimes you you get those smaller guys when they're moving to that second level and they can get around those linemen, and that's one thing he he locks them guys down, which is it's good to see that. That was one thing I noted when I was watching some tape today on him. Yeah, he did have a faster 40 than Sewell, so he, he had a 488, and Sewell had a 
a 5.09. So, I mean, he, he is a little quicker. But uh, I kind of have like a – I guess it's like a hot take for uh, for Slater. I actually have him at my third favorite tackle. Um, I have Christian Derisaw over him. Uh, I, I really like Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech, 6'5", 314. Um, he, take it for what you will. Pro Football Focus graded him the second highest tackle that they've ever graded behind Sewell this, this past season. Um, I mean, he he allowed zero sacks, zero hits, and only six hurries all season. Um, he was the beast on tape. Just an, another kind of tackle that just plays with a with an attitude. He's nasty. He hits hard. He gets to the second level and just embarrasses linebackers. So um, he is actually my second graded tackle, and I, I kind of like him a little bit more uh, fit wise better than Slater for Carolina. But that's just my opinion. So I, I don't know how you feel about it, Kevin. But well, I mean, I totally. Um... I totally agree with you. Uh, depending on the reason, like if whatever reason uh, Sewell and Slater is gone and there's a trade back scenario where we drop down a few spots to get him, I'm, I'm all for it. Like his film work, again, he, he's got a nice combination of technique and nasty with Derrishaw. I mean, this guy really sets the edge like, like he, like he, it's like he bring the pancake shirt with him. Like he is determined to have four or five people on their backside, you know, when the game is over. Like this guy really, he really just does an amazing job at, you know, keeping, you know, keeping his hips. You know, he's got good hip movement too. You know, one thing I know is that how he keeps his hands balanced, but he also keeps his hips lower so he can keep that. Yeah, leverage. but does he open them too much? I saw that as a knock on him. He opens his hips too much. If there was to be a, a, a noticeable weakness, yes, there would be that. Like, like it said, we drafted him and he goes against Brian Burns. That Brian Burns spin move is going to cause him headaches. Yeah, or the speed with the bend, his bend. I mean, Brian Burns has got one of the best bends right. in the NFL when he's coming around that edge. I mean, who but, who is Brian Burns not not giving trouble though? That's, that's true. Right. Tackle, that's so. a good point. Right. That's a good point. Is this a fair comparison? I kind of view him as I, I'm gonna probably murder this guy's name. Cyrus Quanjo back it was 2015 out of Bama. He kind of reminds me of him. Maybe, maybe that's wrong, but that's kind of what I see out of this guy. And he was a late first round pick. Carolina was there was some mocks that had him going there, I think in 2015. I think he went at the end of the first round. Um maybe early second, but that's that's what I kind of compare him to. Yeah, I, I wanted to throw something in there. The only um the only thing that kind of worries me about Darisaw is that he really only had, like, um, according to Pro Football Focus, 73 true pass rushing sets, so true pass sets. Um, Virginia Tech didn't really run, like, a a professional um, NFL-style offense, so um, his numbers could be inflated from that. I mean, his overall grade at 95.6, but when they did run pass sets, he he did show out for Virginia Tech. So um, I I think he has quite a bit of potential, and I think he could end up being one of the best offensive tackles out of this draft, so – yeah, and another thing I would say, if there's something that Dershaw would need to prove, I think he needs to get a little bit stronger as well. Uh, I think right now he he wins a lot with technique, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, you know. But and it's, it's just something that you know, just getting a little bit stronger, I would think would be something that he could do. And of course, you know, we get an NFL, you know, weight program and and dieting or you know meal plan or however however you want to describe it you know, with the weight and conditioning, I think that he can um, 
definitely improve, you know, getting like his functional strength up a little bit more. Because uh, I have seen times where, you know, if he didn't get the advantage, you know, if you beat him with the leverage, you can stall him out and he can't, you know, move that person off that spot. You know, and if we're, and we're talking about someone that's going to be protecting the blind side, you know, I need you to have some pop. You know, I need you to have some, some, some incredible hope with you when the time is needed to move, you know, this person out of the way. We can't have a play blowed up because, you know, you, 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 you titty bumping with the defense end. You know, we need you to get that man the hell out of the way, you know. But, um, but like I say, again, that's just nitpicking. I mean, I think Sewell, Slater, or Derrishaw are franchise left tackles. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a learning curve. All, obviously, all of them are going to face adversity. Um, but just in general, I, I couldn't go wrong with either one of those three. So, Bryson, question. You, you were, Panthers are sitting at eight. Penny Sewell's off the board. You're taking Derrissaw at eight if the board falls that way? If Slater and, and Derrissaw are there at eight? Yeah. Um, I, I think you could get Derrissaw later in the first round, so I'd prefer to trade back okay. at that That's point. That's what I was curious I think. I think the value for Darisol in, in the late twenties is uh, in the first round is better than Slater at eight. In, in my opinion, I agree wholeheartedly. And if there's any one of those quarterbacks remaining out of the top five, most people are talking about, if there's a if say, let's say if Trey Lance is still there when we pick eight, um, some team is going to the quarterback needy team behind them. Maybe a, I mean, you know, maybe a New England, you know, who's drafting fifteenth. I would do that deal. And drop back to 15th and get a Dara Shaw and be uh, and be and be happy, you know, with that. You know, let me let me go ahead and get back that second that I just gave the, the damn Jets, you know. <laughs> hey, maybe Teddy yeah, will give us yeah. uh, that six round pick this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Kevin, do you have Dara Shaw? Yeah, uh, actually, my five. Um, I know we're just going down one at a time, but my five is uh, Panay Sewell at one, Rashawn Slater at two, uh, Dara Shaw at uh three and number four for me and it may- yeah i'm curious i'm curious <laughs> about here <laughs> yeah number four for me um is actually jackson carmen out of clemson like give us a breakdown on him think about if pinacee had a little cousin jackson carmen would be that guy because one thing he did that really helped him out is he he dropped a lot of weight when um they had their pro day uh, he was someone that was like at 345 and when he got to the pro day, he was down to like 325. So he dropped like 20 pounds, which really helped his agility. Um, but again, when you watch him on film, I mean, seeing a man of his size, we're talking 6'5", 325, that constantly plays with low pad level and he is N-A-S-T-Y. Like his goal is to embarrassed whoever's in front for of the kids family. that's nasty for the kids that's nasty keep going right right <laughs> yeah i mean he, he it's just like he's that guy that just you know we was talking about woody's earlier he's the one that probably gets a woody off you know putting someone down and just staring over him you know i think he actually got a penalty for that one on, on particular plays where you know he just took this guy down and like stood over him let him know i'm your daddy i think the refs threw a flag <laughs> But uh, he would be my he would be my number four. I could make a case that he could potentially be my number three, but I'll I'll leave him at um, I'll leave him at number four just simply because, um, um, you know, just our respect for Derrishaw and uh, and uh, his resume because 
uh, with Carmen. He did have a couple of moments where he did have some trouble with speed rushers a little bit, but I think him losing that weight is going to help him out with that to get that agility uh, because it was kind of put out to him like, hey, you know, you're good, but you could do a lot better if you, you dropped 20, 25 pounds and he showed up his pro day 20 pounds lighter coming in at around 325 uh, versus the 345 when he played in the, uh, the uh, football playoffs uh, against Ohio State. Uh, but yeah, for him, uh, what I like about him is, like I say, is he's very good in space. Like, you know, if you ever want to do those plays where it's like those screens on the outside or where you're pulling a lineman from the backside all the way to, you know, play side, like he's that guy that's, he's coming low, he's coming fast, and he's coming with very good hand placement. Like, if I'm mistaken, I think he's only had maybe two holding penalties his whole career at Clemson. Um, I have to go back and double check my um, my um, numbers on that because my, my other former plush uh, partner, Larry, that's his guy. You know, he was telling me about him and Sewell last year before the season even started. Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that, that would be my number four uh, would be Sewell. And then number five would be uh, Tevin Jenkins out of uh, Oklahoma State. So that's, that's my five right there. So my, my four and five differ a little bit from you. Um, <clears throat> my four, I think some people have them at, uh, as an offensive guard and some people have them as uh, like a tackle. But Elijah Bear Tucker from USC, um, he's played – this is my number four. He, he's played right guard, left guard, and left tackle this past season. And um, <clears throat> you take away his one bad game from playing Kayvon Thibodeau, who's going to be a top five pick next year in 2022 – um, he, he just allowed two sacks and no pressures and 305 passing blocks in 2020. Um, he was a, a first season uh, in, well, in his first season as tackle. So um, I really like him at tackle from USC, um, 6'4", 308 pounds. Um, he, ha he does have uh, some pretty good length uh, at arms, uh, 32 and one eighth inches. So um, he, he's got some length there. Um, I really like him at four and then at five, um, the guy that showed out at the senior bowl, uh, Dylan Raduns from North Dakota state, um, six, five, 304 pounds. Um, he, he dominated in the FCS competition. Um, and, but he really showed out the senior bowl. I mean, against some of the best talent in the, in the country. Um, let's see here. He, he gave up one sack in 2018, one quarterback hit in 2018 and 10 total quarterback hurries. Um, he didn't allow a single sack in 349 snaps in 2019. Um, and he and he he was Trey Lance's left tackle, so um, I really like those two. But um, the two that you mentioned as well, um, I like a lot. And then I and then I kind of got I had Tevin Jenkins in my honorable mentions. Walker Little from Stanford, I like a lot. Samuel Cosme from Texas and Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. I mean, this is a deep, deep, deep class at tackle, and um, that that's why that's another reason why I like the idea of Carolina trading back and getting more picks because why not grab two of those guys, you know? So. Um, I, I just I really like the idea of Carolina. Yeah, I, we, me and Bryson, we didn't we didn't talk about this before. So, but I had Elijah Very Tucker at four as well. I he he is viewed more as a guard. I think he's probably the best guard in this draft. If you don't put Slater in there, but he played left tackle in 2020. Bryson went through the stats already, but yeah, he you know Matt Rule loves that positional flexibility. He loves that in guys, guys that can play multiple positions. This guy can do it all too on the offensive line. And this could be a guy they take, you know, in the later rounds um, or a trade back situation, but, you know, second, third round type guy. And 
could be a, you know, day one starter for them. And that that's just the beauty of this draft is like Bill Voss said is they could go, they could go, they could go alignment every, every pick this, this year, which would be nuts, man. I mean, that would be awesome. Sam Darnold needs a wall around him, but that would be crazy. <laughs> and then I had, I had Alex Leatherwood at five, maybe that might be too high, but I think this guy is, I think, I think he's better than, um, a better prospect than the the guy out of Cincy last year, Jonah Williams. I think he's better on tape than him. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I rounded out. And I think, you know, any of these guys that we mentioned, whether they get them first, second, third, fourth, you know, these guys are really going to help this team that have just struggled. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think Alex uh, Leatherwood has um, just, I mean, if not, about the same amount of tape, good tape as Jenna Williams, if not better. So I, I agree with you on that one. Here's my thing about Leatherwood, and this is me being generous because it's it's scary. Leatherwood probably has almost as much athletic talent as any offensive tackle in this draft, but he relies when you really break down his and really study, zoom in. He relies relies too much on his athleticism versus technique and a lot of times he was winning in college off of that but that's not going to fly you know when you get into the pros uh when you get up to the next level like he's really got a home in his technique like and again don't take this name comparison too far but as reason I brought it up like he had a couple of great little moments blocking this year uh and it was against no elite competition where he just immediately thought Hey, I got the length. I got to, you know, you know, I got you. And like, he got smoked, like his boots got smoked. And I'm like, dang, you know, and I, and I saw that, you know, like a few times in every game where, where he missed the opportunity to where he could have really, you know, decleated a guy, but he just doesn't, he just doesn't bring the technique to match his athleticism on a consistent basis for me to feel comfortable. And again, I'm just a fan. So who am I? But, just from my eyes and my appreciation for offensive linemen, uh, that's one of the hugest things that he's going to have to do. Now, if he makes that click, he easily could be one of the best tacklers out of his class. But that's my biggest flaw with him is relying too much on his athleticism, uh, for, uh, Alex uh, Leatherwood. Uh, you know, for me personally, that's something I saw continuously on film, you know, the last couple of years, not just this year. So, I see it as something that's going to be that's got to be coached out of him and coached up. No, it's that's that's valid points. I, I mean, like I said, any of these guys we've mentioned, mm-hmm. I think in these some of these later rounds, that some of these guys are way better options than what they got right now. So, hey man, if they're taking if they're taking offensive linemen first couple rounds, I have it, it ain't sexy. I get that, um, but they need protection for Sam Darnold. And it's necessary if they want to win, if they want to start winning some more games here. Hey, on my mocks, I'm taking three linemen in the first three picks. That's just me. (laughs) Why don't we go through some of your interior linemen, some of the guys that you like? Because, you know, they added, you know, the elf line. You you think he's going to probably start at left guard. I'm I'm thinking, what are some of the guys you like interior wise for them to go after? Oh, man, as far as the interior, you know, I was really excited because I was a guy that, you know, played the interior, both center and guard myself. So I was really uh, 
you know, I'm always thrilled to um, scout them out. But as far as the uh, our interior offensive linemen, um, for me, the first player that comes to my mind that we haven't discussed is Trey Smith out of Tennessee. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter. He absolutely killed it on the uh, relative athletic score. Um, I don't know if you guys track that. It shows, you know, the athletic ability of each player. Um, over the last 20 years, he just had the 11th best athletic score out of any offensive guard that's ever been drafted. Like, I think he had something like a nine point, on a scale of one to 10, he was like a nine point uh, eight, nine or something like that. Like this guy athletically is just, is just unbelievable at guard. Uh, he played left guard at Tennessee. Um, he's someone that, that I just, I just like seeing, like I would love to get him in the first, I'll um, see when the first round and him in the second round. I would love that. That would secure that left side. Uh, but one thing that I like about him is the fact that he doesn't get, hardly gets any penalties at all. Uh, you cannot beat him on leverage. I like the fact that he's very consistent with uh, playing a place where his footwork and his hips align. So it doesn't matter if his zone scheme, it doesn't matter if his power, like he, he gets on you quick and he moves you out the way. So for me, Trey Smith would be uh, my number one um, interior offensive lineman. Um, I, you know, that's that's on my personal list. I uh, I like Trey Smith a, a lot. Um, I have him at five. <laughs> five, yeah. Um, I I do like him though. I I'm I'm beginning to more um, probably move him up my list a little bit more, but. As of right now, I have him at five. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's played left tackle. Um, he's played right guard. He's played left guard. He's, he's been all over the offensive line. Like you said, he's a big 6'5, 331 pound guard. Um, he plays with a nastiness. And, uh, I, I think he does have a little bit of, uh, high hip frame, which kind of makes it challenging for him to play with consistent leverage at times. But I think he, he does, um, he, he did improve there towards the end of the, of the season there with Tennessee. And um, he's definitely got some promise. And, and like you said, he's, he's nasty, but my number one, I uh, is, I, which I, I don't didn't really know if Curtis, what we were doing, including centers in this, but Creed Humphrey from uh, Oklahoma that plays center. <laughs> I mean, this guy might be the op, one of the best offensive linemen coming out of college. Um, he, he didn't allow a single sack in 401 pass snaps and um, one of the best centers coming out of, out of uh, college that I, I can remember. So um, Creighton Humphrey is, is my number one. Yeah. And that's something I wanted to talk about too, is the Matt Paradis situation is, you know, everyone's like, well, yeah, they're not going to take center. That's fine. But are they going to, they're going to resign him after this year? Are they going to go the elf line route? Cause elf line did play center too. And that's where he was. I, I, I would think was best with Minnesota is when he was at center, when he first was drafted. Do you think they resign Paradis? Do they look for someone deeper in this draft to maybe be his replacement in a couple of years? Like, what, what's your guys' thoughts on that? Um, well, me personally, if we're talking about center, but again, position flexibility, uh, I could easily make this guy here my number one, but he's my number two, Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. Um, he's a guy that's played all three spots, uh, right guard, left guard, and center. Uh, he started – 
Yeah, he yeah, started he out at Florida State um, and then transferred to uh, Alabama. Now, he has had about three injuries um, that, you know, that was brought up. And it was one of the reasons. And I think he got hurt in the uh, SEC game against Florida, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, but after Simmons' pro day, and I don't know if you guys saw it when they were talking to Matt Jones, and he was doing those cartwheels behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yep, showing how healthy right. he was. I do this remember right. Draft this man like, right now. Three hundred thirty pounds flipping, content like smoothly. It wasn't nothing awkward about it. I'm like, that man's healthy and ready to play. You know, so for me, you know, as I stated in my mocks, I'm taking I'm I'm taking Lionel with the first three picks. So I know I, I'm not liked by Panther fans and these um, Panther groups when I do when I share my mocks. But uh, if uh, yeah, if we can if we can somehow pull him, I will let him play guard, probably right guard, you know, um, this year, and then slide him over to center and let him just take over at the Paradise. I mean, even if Paradise improve, uh, you know, we just got to bring in better talent at a lower cost. And for me, Dickerson would be that guy that I would love to, to see. My dream scenario is Sewell, Smith, and Dickerson. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, and again, I, you can't put so much stock in these mock drafts, but for some reason, they, they're dropping Trey Smith really low lately. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I, like I said, if I can get Trey Smith in the third and get Landon in the second, oh, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. You know, and that right there solidifies the offensive line. So now you got Moten, you got Dickerson, you got Paradis, you got Trey Smith, and you got Panay Sewell. Let's McCaffrey is getting three yards down the last line of screen before he's even touched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that 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 might that may be true if that's the case. I'm, I mean, you ain't kidding there. What about Quinn though? And th- this is the guy Bryson mentioned. The guy out of Whitewater is, you know, P, P, uh, Pro Football Focus has him ranked second for interior linemen. That I mean, that guy he kind of has ro- risen up boards since the Senior Bowl showout he's had, and he didn't play at all last year because he was in D three. But I mean, that could be a guy too. They go after he. They're saying he's 58% win rate in one-on-ones on the second base. That, that's the second best rate of an interior lineman this in this class. So that, that might be a guy too. If, you know, if your guy Dickerson isn't there, that could be a guy they, they try to go after too. Because um, Matt Rule yeah. got a good look at him at the senior bowl. I missed too, the name. So. Who did you say now? That was Qu- Quinn Benares. Yeah. Oh, the Wisconsin White. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, he was. He had him. T- yeah, he had him talking at um on Twitter when he was there during the Senior Bowl. Yes, that. Yeah, and he yes. had. I think every NFL team went to his pro day, and I'm from Wisconsin, yeah. Whitewater. There, there's not a lot of. That's a small ass town. So when you got 32 teams coming, you're doing something right. Yeah, that so, kid is nice. I mean, that's a guy that 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 could be a yeah. guy to watch too for Matt Rule since he did get a pretty good look at him with at the senior bowl too. He would be one of them guys. Yeah. He would be one of them guys we draft third. and the fans would be like, "Who?" But we'll be sitting back like, "Yes," you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Taylor Moten when he got drafted. Oh, like, I was excited about who? Moten. But and then, shit, I was Oh, me too. What? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh yeah, but Quinn um he ranked top 35 all-time size adjusted among centers in the RAS system. So that's another athletic guy. Um, like Curtis was saying at the senior bowl, his tape, he was putting out 
just embarrassing people at the senior bowl, um, blocking them, even coming out at, at tackle. So um, that's, a, that's another guy that, that might slide up in there, the second, third round pick um, at guard. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if people give me shit from being from Wisconsin, that is the one thing they're, they're good at, cheese, and they're good at breeding offensive yeah. linemen. This could be a guy that, you know, Carolina scoops up in the second or third round. And, and while we're on Alabama offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, um, I, I would be remiss to not mention Deontay Brown or, uh, from Alabama, 6'4", three, 338 pounds guard, um, probably one of the best guards in the country last season, first team all-SEC all selection. Um, one, uh, just a ginormous human being playing guard. Jeez. <laughs> Scary. If I lined up against him, I would just lay down on the ground and pray that he didn't kill me. Um, I mean, he, he's another guy that that's a possible selection for Carolina. I really like Don, Deontay Brown. Um, and then Wyatt Davis from Ohio State's another guy, um, another all American, uh, all big 10 nomination, unanimous all American, um, in 2019, um, he had a top five uh, highest run blocking grade from P, uh, Pro Football Focus, and um, I think he's another guy that that Carolina could go after. Tell me, Wyatt Davis? Yes, sir. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. Yeah, I think he also had some sort of leg injury as well um, that he suffered. So, and you kind of nervous with offensive linemen would have lower body injuries. It's always something to be a concern. So I'm sure you know. I hope that's not a reason that allows him to slide either because. You know, you can make a case he was like the most dominant right guard in the country last year. Um, you know, Wyatt Davis. So, uh, but if you don't mind, I want to jump back to your, your guy Creed Humphrey. Um, and I think he's a he's going to be a great center. I, I think that the only reason why I didn't have him high on mine is not that he's not talented enough, but again, if we're thinking about it as Panther fans, what Matt Rule likes, uh, Humphrey is exactly not athletic when it comes to when it comes to it. but now he got some smarts he got the iq he's got the power and and all that stuff but uh I, one one thing about him is that i when i when i checked him out um i see that uh sometimes they struggle getting to that next level and when you're playing center in the nfl you know that's that's something that's going to be uh paramount to do um but I think that's something that's coachable, you know, when you get with the right coaching staff. But uh, he was like my number five guy, actually, as far as interior lineman Creed Humphrey. I know you had him at your number two. But, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of see him at, at the moment being kind of limited athletic-wise. athletic, athletic -wise, And I can see that anyone with elite quickness is going to give him fits. You know, it's like if they beat him, then he they got him. What about you know. what about Kendrick Green out of Illinois? And that guy, that guy could slip. Um, Illinois, not a big, you know, big time school, but this guy had fourteen big time blocks. He was tied with your boy Dickerson at fourteen. And PFF talks about his explosiveness, all the pancakes. I mean, this guy's just littered with hot. He's a highlight reel. So that might be a guy to watch too. Is you know, he played center, but that, that is someone looking at some of the, his, I mean, it's a highlight video, so I understand that, but I mean, this guy, this could be a sleeper that, you know, he slides down some boards and I mean, he's got some comparables to your boy, Landon Dickerson. Yeah. He could play guard and center uh, for Illinois. Um, I didn't study him too heavily, but he is someone that I did see 
again, since we are, we run a lot of zone here in Carolina, um, zone is something that they ran at Illinois that he um, seemed to uh, excel in as well. I mean, he had like, I think like 33 consecutive starts for them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, he could refine his technique some and uh, work on his foot, you know, his base and his footwork, but he's someone that, again, you get him with the right coach. Um, you gotta, you gotta steal there, uh, to be honest with you. Um, uh, and again, you know, we took, you know, we always keep saying it over and over, you know, position flexibility again, you know, uh, I don't know if they're going to allow the additional two players this year. Cause you know, last year it was a uh, 55 players were able to be carried in 48 on game day. I don't know if they're going to do that again, but typical offensive lineman, usually seven was about the most we went into a game with. So if you got, you know, a guy that can play multiple positions, that's like huge value these days, uh, you know, come, you know, being looked at. So the fact that he could play effectively at both guard and center, I think that that's going to, um, a team going to find um, value, value with well, him. On I that. just wanted to just throw this out to both of you is because a lot of these guys and I, I get it, the COVID stuff and it's a, you know, a health decision or, the schools are deciding not to play. What's your guys' thoughts on some of these guys? And there's a lot of top of the offensive linemen that didn't play last year. There's a lot of guys that didn't play last year. I understand. But just what's your take on that? Um, just from a football side of things, is does that concern you at all? Do you think that's given them time to fine-tune their craft? I'm just curious about your guys' take and your opinion on that. Uh, for me, that doesn't bother me at all. I don't think that – place into any of my ratings that I had if they opted out last year or um, even if it wasn't their choice and their team just didn't have any game scheduled to I uh, it doesn't really play into any decision making for me uh, for me yeah it doesn't really bother me either um, you know this is you know playing football is like riding a bike so even though you haven't had any active healthy uh, competition uh, you know I, I don't see that as being a knock in any way uh, shape or form, particularly for offensive linemen. You know, if anything, you know, give your body that that recharge, that refresher to get you ready for what you're about, what you're about to go to. Cause the game and the speed and the strength has got to be magnified from anything that you've seen in college. So, you know, anyone that took a year off and used this to prepare themselves for the draft, I, I think that uh, I think that if they use their time um, wisely, I think it uh, it put help put them at a a little bit of advantage. Yeah, as um, long as they honestly. don't come back looking like Kelvin Benjamin, I'm 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 good with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, let's go. Let's end on this because I don't think we've talked about this. If we did, shut me up. That the mock drafts today, you know, mock drafts are wacky as hell this time of year. But we got Mel Kuyper today. He came out of the two round two round mock draft, and at eight he had Carolina taking Devonte Smith wide receiver. We know what Carolina's weapons are already. I just wanted to get your guys' take on that. We'll, we'll talk about Bucky Brooks too. He also had Carolina taking a wide receiver, Jamar chase. So Kevin, we'll start with you. <laughs> I know you don't like this. Yeah. Well, for me, um, short and sweet here, I guess they're all gassed up on, you know, the reclamation project that is Sam Donald. And it's like, Hey, get him, you know, get him all the weapons that he can. And I I can see that, but have they watched the tape know, when about, he doesn't have protection? 
yeah, that part. Um, you know, I mean, we're we're looking at you know talking about Cam Irving and Fline, you know, being his blindside protection. Like, do you really, really want to do that? You know, because Fline played with Sam Donald, you know, with the Jets. <laughs> you know, and you know, like I said, until this line is addressed for me, it doesn't matter who's back there. It doesn't matter how many weapons. You know, if this past Super Bowl didn't show you anything. You can have all pro at all your skill positions, but if your line ain't hitting on nothing, it does not matter when you play top-notch elite defenses. It really doesn't. And, I, I you know, so when I saw that, I just got a nice chuckle. I, I just think that it, that's for the that's where the fantasy stats come in. And, oh, when you look at, oh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, oh, throwing a Jamar Chase or Deontay, um, you know, Smith or whatever, and it's like – I understand why, but if your quarterback is not able to have time to get back, you know, one of the biggest knocks on Teddy, oh, he would throw deep ball. If your clean pocket time is 2.3 seconds, how deep do you expect the ball to come out? <laughs> you know, and Sam Donald's clean pocket time was slightly better, 2.4 last year. So, um, you know, yeah, I got to chuckle at both of those simply because, you know, there's so much wide receiver talent that it's going to be some, a lot of no-name guys that fans don't know now that's going to really make some surprises next year at the in, in, in the this coming season, the draft. Like, I think one person uh, I heard today said he had, like, 30 wide receivers that could easily be day one and day two as far as talent. So, for me, I'm not pressed to, to get one of the elite name brand wide receivers that high. What's your take on the argument when you – when you have something, you know, a strength, why don't you keep building on that strength? Cause that's some of the argument and I'm not for a wide receiver. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here is Edgar had said that, you know, you build on your strengths and wide receiver is a strength for the Panthers. I think we both all can agree on that. So if, you know, one of these wide receivers is the best player available at that point, you know, Sewell's off the board, um, some of these other guys that you we are we're all talking about and and bus player available is wide out why not dabble with it well uh you, you have mentioned at the beginning of the show about the uh press conference that was had uh by uh, um by matt rule and um uh, i think it was scott fitter this week and matt rule kind of tipped his hand you know when he was talking about um uh, best player available and what he said is yeah he basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was saying that, you know, we have two or three players that we see as equal talents, but different positions. Then for us, we're going to do, we're going to do best player available at a position of need. It's, you know, it's called, it's, the term is weighted BPA. That's the term where you, you weigh out the best player available at a position of need, you know? So that right there, you know, and the fact that he kept mentioning offensive line and secondary you know, more than any other position during this interview, that just has me thinking that, you know, with the moves they made in this offseason, when you think about the talent added through free agency, secondary talent and offensive line talent, nobody really stood out as a difference maker. Depth. So far it was depth. Team. It was depth acquisitions. Yeah, pretty like much. I say, you got to take 90 people to camp anyway. It's going to be 12 wide receivers on the roster anyway. So, you know, when, like, I saw we signed up two more players today, uh, a defensive tackle and defensive end, you know, don't know much about them, but, you know, like I said, you got to fill out your roster. Um, so, 
yeah, so for me, um, yeah, build, 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 build your wall, get your quarterback, let, it, let your quarterback know what it feels like to have three seconds to, to let a play develop. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify because I, I did say Bucky Brooks before. It was Jonathan Jones who had that mock draft out. Bryson, I know we were talking about this before the show. What's your take? I, again, I want to be clear. I think these are wacky as hell. If they take wide receiver at eight, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pissed. But go ahead, Bryson. The um, I guess my opinion is the only wide receiver I would consider today is Jamar Chase, and that's only if um, Sewell's off the board at eight. Um, I would consider him. Um, the main pass catcher I would consider at eight if he's there is Kyle Pitts. I don't think uh, that that fills a need that they they have at tight end. Um, as we stated before, wide receiver is a strength for Carolina. I think most Panthers fans can. Joe Brady better start calling throws a, a tight yeah. end too then and start throwing making some the hot damn yeah, routes absolutely. for him because my goodness. And I, I, I I like the idea, I mean, of what Edgar was talking about a couple weeks ago of building on your strength, but I think Carolina really isn't in a position to do that with her with their top pick at this point. They have too many holes they need to fill and and they need to be able to give uh Sam Darnold a chance to throw the ball, like like we've been saying. And um I think they go left tackle. Hopefully they go left tackle. Um, if Justin Fields is there at eight, I think that gets very interesting. But yeah, I I I don't really think wide receivers should even be in the discussion at eight. Kevin, let's end on this. We did talk about Justin Fields before. They pick him at eight. Are you going to be pretty pissed off? You will better see my reaction because the four-man rush will be um, live streaming during the first round of the draft. So oh, I'll be I, tuning into that. Yes, we've already discussed it because we did it last year, and we're going to try to expand it a little bit bigger now that we figure out how to reach all of our social media platforms live at the same time um, through StreamYard. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, all I can say is stay tuned and find out. You will see my reaction. If I that like happens. that a little. Is that a little breaking news, a little plug? I like that, man. That's good. You know, a little something-something, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on this evening. You are – it's a joy every time you come on, and we love your insight, especially when we're talking offense alignment. So thank you again, and we want to get you back again maybe after the draft and we can dissect, you know, some of the picks they made and, and look ahead to training camp and the season. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I would, you know, anytime you guys, you know, have a need and got an opening, uh, feel free to, you know, hit me up in advance. Let me check my schedule and everything. And uh, But I got no problems um, collaborating with you guys and, uh, you know, keep, keep this thing going. We need to get more of your more of your team on here, maybe uh, one or two more guys. I, I, I've listened to you guys the last couple of weeks. I'd like to get Smooth on here and, you know, get some of these other guys and get, get their take on you know, Panthers football. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll uh, make a pitch for it because as soon as I get off with you guys, uh, we're about to hop on and uh, we're going to be doing a live Q&A session um, with the four-man rush tonight. So uh, as soon as we wrap up here, um, I'm actually in the process of setting it up now while we're speaking. Because uh, the guys, they waiting on me. I told them it'd be about 9.30, which we're almost at that time. So uh, we actually timed this out perfectly. But yeah, if y'all want to, you know, chop it up with us and throw your questions out, uh, we'll be on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube live. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, Kevin. We uh, we appreciate you coming on as always and look forward to talking to you again, man. Definitely, definitely. But uh, y'all stay safe out there. 
and um, keep pounding. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, keep pounding. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take it easy, fellas. Again, go follow Kevin. He's at 4MR underscore Country Kev. Those are with K's, Country Kev. Go follow him on Twitter. Also, check out 4Man Rush's website. They got great insight into the draft, prospects, Panthers football. I love I love all those guys and we need to get we need to collaborate with them a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kevin knows his shit about uh, offensive linemen to say the least. So, um, I love getting him on and 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 like you said, we need to get more of those uh more of those guys on because um I think that they're all pretty much um well versed in yeah, they know their yeah, shit. So, um they're, they're great guys to collaborate with. All right, let's go to our draft picks of the week. I apologize for our listeners this week. I didn't get a new beer. I stuck with this um, Festival Express. I I drank a Budweiser during this episode, a Golden Ale Smiles, and now I'm on Festival Express IPA. Um, I mentioned it last week. I actually had this on tap yesterday, I believe, which it's, it's, it's way better on tap than it is in a can. But... Again, it's a juicy IPA, pretty good beer. Go check this one out um, for our faithful listeners out there. If you want any of this, we can try to send it to you. Just hit us up on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. But this is—it's a good beer. It's—it's it's one of the IPAs that I don't mind. So, Ryson, what are you what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, um, I actually got a new beer from Trader Joe's this weekend when I went grocery shopping. Um, it is from Charlotte. It's from Triple C Brewing Company in Charlotte. Um, it is a rainbow sherbet fruited sour with pineapple, raspberry, and lime added. I finished it about five minutes into the episode. <laughs> it's a 16-ounce can, um, 4.2% alcohol, 50, 51 IBU. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really good beer. It's a sour. Um, if you guys like sour beers, it's one to definitely give a try. Um, it's definitely on the more sour end of, of sour sour beers that I've had, so... If you're not a big sour fan, I, I I wouldn't go for it. But if you do like the uh, the tanginess and the bitterness of a sour, then go for this one. It's um it's really good, and I uh, highly recommend it. Thanks for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday morning on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a review, follow us there, subscribe. The more reviews, the higher we go up on on the ranking. So please give us a review. One through five. We love the fives. So give give us those fives and give us some feedback on how we're doing. We really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your Panthers analysis and breaking news. And as always, 